I am Pedro, and this is Modern Immigrant. Welcome, everybody, to a new episode of Modern Immigrant. Here we are on another Wednesday sharing an amazing immigration story, and I'm really excited for all of you to meet my guests. I had the amazing opportunity to meet Marcia and talk to her about her immigration journey. Marcia moved to the USA when she was around seven years old from Ecuador. We explore how her immigration journey has impacted her, her life, and all of her identities. We talk about how your immigration journey can sometimes make you feel a little less confident at some points in your life. But we also talk about how that diversity that sometimes can make us feel are out of place or not enough can actually be and is our strength. We also talk about the venture capital and the startup world where Marcia has been created an amazing impact in raising the important questions, in including all of the voices, and in bringing diversity to all of the spaces. Marcia is motivated by economic justice, by equity, and by creating opportunity for those who haven't had the chance. Her own immigration journey has inspired her to do an amazing work in spaces where we need more immigrants, where we need more diverse populations. In this interview, she's going to tell you more about her work, the impact that she has created, about the accelerator programs that she has been part of to support others in their journeys. Marzia also shared amazing resources towards the end of the interview. So get comfortable, enjoy this interview, and I hope you get to share it with others too if you found it helpful and if you liked it. Thank you one more time for being here. Don't forget to subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube or if you're listening or in all of the podcast platforms. So don't forget to subscribe and follow us so you don't miss any of the future interviews. Thank you one more time. Enjoy. I'm so excited. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Modern Immigrant. Marcia is here with us today. Marcia, welcome. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm really excited, too. I think we were talking about this before starting to record. I'm really happy that you're here, and I'm happy that we're going to be talking about your immigration and also your identity as an immigrant and the other identities that you have. But why don't we start by hearing when did your immigration journey start, Marcia, from where to where and how long ago? Yes, I'm happy to do that. And um, so my immigration story happened when I was younger, when I was a child, when um, I was about seven years old, like it's either like a month right before a month right after I turned seven. I can't remember the exact date. And I had moved with my parents um, and with my younger brother. And I had moved from Ecuador, more specifically from Guayaquil. And I moved to my tia's house. And in, 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 honestly, in a small town in Massachusetts, to this day, I'm like, tia, what <laughs> led you all to be the to, to choose that town. Um, and, uh, so yeah. How, what's Do you remember the name of the town? <laughs> oh yeah. It's Milford, Massachusetts. And, okay. um, my family and other family members are still here to this day. And it's funny because I, my family had been a part of, um, a big migration movement in Ecuador when there was, um, I, 
political and economic changes happening in the country um, where a massive amounts of, of families had moved in mm. that late 1990s and early 2000s period. Mm. And what's funny about the ta- this town, Milford, is that about a decade later, there were thousands of indigenous Ecuadorians who moved to this town. Um, and I would love an anthropologist or sociologist to do a study of it because I think besides New York and Miami, this town in Massachusetts has like a high number of, you know, that is, that is kind of amazing. That's a very interesting kind of like fact. Thank you for sharing that. Are you still in that town till this day? I moved back um, during the pandemic. I had okay. moved, I had been in Washington, D.C. for some time and had been traveling for work um, in the U.S. and honestly throughout Latin America, too. Um, but the pandemic has it, it caused many people to to move around, and and this was one change for me. Um, it, it was move, moving back here. I was for Marcia, seven year old Marcia, <laughs> um, moving to the U.S. to a small town from Guayaquil. Like, what are those memories that you still kind of hold? Because I feel like memories, like migration memories are very, very strong memories. Like no matter the age, we have like that, almost like a connection to the emotion, like the day I left or the airplane flyer, the journey. So what were some of those memories that you have of, of leaving Ecuador, of arriving to the U.S. that you would like to share in this space? Yes. Actually, I'm glad you bring that up because I, I, around memories being really strong because there are definitely things that I, I've never forgotten about. And then when I think of, when I hear the words migration or immigration for me, I'm like, those memories immediately come, come up. And one is right before moving, I remember I had to give away all these toys to many of my cousins, you know, primas, um and primos and I remember specifically I had this awesome just dollhouse that I wanted to bring with me and you know my parents were like there's no room and I and I gave it to my cousins and uh one of my cousins still has it to this day when I go back to Ecuador um it's like (laughs) and I I saw it um on a trip back and and it just was so nostalgic but I I remember that where Mm. it was like we're packing up campering all your toys with you um this is the things that you can bring um and then I remember uh when we got to the U.S. I don't know why I remember this but we were really hungry and for some reason I just remember that we made this stop at Burger King and we didn't really eat at Burger King back in and like and I had this big like chicken sandwich and and then I just remember um, feeling like, wow, everything is so different here. Um, the way that houses look mm-hmm. very different. Um, nature looked different. Um, the weather was colder. Oh. <laughs> yes. It just felt different. That is so amazing for a little kid to pick up on the difference so fast, right? It is such a different experience. And it's interesting that you still remember that. What were some challenges, Marcia? Like, I I think it's always really important to kind of like express what were the things that were difficult, the barriers that you have found. And I know this is not 
necessarily the seven-year-old you. I think it's the whole immigrant in you, right? Like you're right to a country when you were a kid, starting school as a kid in another country, mm -hmm. the language, the, like, I know it's probably a very broad question, but I would love for you to speak on some of the challenges that you have encountered as an immigrant Latina in, in this country. Yes. Um, I mean, I did, language was definitely one of them at the start. I didn't know any English except I think how to count to 20 wow. is what my parents always say. But I also moved at an early time where apparently like learning language, um, if you're, um, you know, in your um, around 10, a little bit before or after mm -hmm. learning a language is a really great time. Um, but I do remember when I moved to the U.S. and, and trying to go into the school system, there was questioning from the mm -hmm. school as to what grade level I should be in and being like, mm, I don't know, Ecuador, maybe they're not um at the same level but then I did a test and actually I was even more above yes <laughs> um but I didn't know English so I, I was put into um a, uh, what was yes English as a second language class and I was there for a short period of time but I do remember that questioning and process um And and kind of, and now I'm kind of proud of like well look at that you know <laughs> I know and I'm I'm proud that you're sharing that because it's beautiful to hear stories of immigrants that come from a country where I feel like the stereotype in the U.S. is like oh they're you know below the the level whatever and we prove them wrong multiple times I think yes yeah yeah you know, yes yes um and then there's there's lots of other challenges, but I do remember, um, even younger, my younger self, um, noticing, Hey, um, low, low income in Ecuador and low income in the U S looks different. Um, and I noticed, uh, that when we moved that my parents were doing what they can to just move forward from my mom working in retail to my dad literally working the next day we moved in in a warehouse um and i and i knew from that age of like okay Marcia, don't ask your parents for this like really nice backpack or really nice shoes or clothes like just make whatever you have work mm -hmm. um and uh, i think that mentality has been something that's definitely shaped me and making being very resourceful um and and it's also been some like throughout my life pretty, pretty much. And um, it's also something that I've had to, as my family's socioeconomic level and my socioeconomic level has evolved, something that I've had to unpack too. Um, and, and I'm sure the, the, what you do for work also has an effect or like, I'm sure that impacts as well. I don't know, we're going to get to talk about your profession as well, but I see some intersections for sure on that. Yeah. Um, What up? I, I just want to ask you if you can maybe expand a little on that concept of social economic status being different or looking different from a country to, to another for the listeners that maybe don't know what you mean by that. Like a low income in Ecuador would be considered what yeah. in the USA? Yes. And I, I mean, you know, I'm not an economist, so I won't have the figures of salaries and stuff, no but, worries. <laughs> um, but in Ecuador, like I had a certain picture of what low income 
looked mm-hmm. like, which which was um, really struggling to have like um, very very basic needs met. And I remember having some family members that I would associate as that mm-hmm. um, that used to work, for example, um, in the farmlands, and they were genuinely trying to um you know sell their fruits and cacao and things like that to survive and i don't necessarily think uh, i just think that looks different in the us where um uh or even in ecuador like mm. people not having um or like can't, the, the clothing or other really basic items um and the way that houses looked where it, it may have been made out of of wood or I don't know how to translate it, like caña, like yeah. things like, um, like that. And then in, in, in the U S to me, um, I was like, Oh, wow. We don't have a lot of money, but we have, um, this is what our house looks like. Um, I'm able to go to school. Um, and what to me was nice clothes and clothing yeah. and things until um until I do remember this until I I reached um school and I remember there were some people who asked me oh where'd you get your shoes and I loved them and I was like Walmart not knowing that Walmart was um for some people seen as low income and there and then they laughed at it and that's when I realized um why (laughs) and so it's things like that um and and that's what child modesty notice around low income would I change the definition of low income now um yes mm-hmm. but that that was my perception as a as a child <laughs> totally and that's so complex for a child to to understand and also to when you're talking about the little little you at the school you know being happy for the shoes or saying where they were from I can only think about like all of the other things like okay I just arrived to this country I'm learning English I'm trying to fit in like that was probably really challenging as well yes I remember I have one friend um who we ended up being friends like for decades and she she actually had been assigned to welcome me to school and there was some period that I for some reason I don't remember or I or I like didn't want to remember maybe and I had asked her hey how was how was I like when I first moved and she was like I could tell that you were um were unhappy at times uh like right when you first moved there and 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 hearing her say that was interesting because I when I asked my cousins in Ecuador like how was I like and they're like you were the leader of our group you were um and so it made me wonder, did I lose a little bit of confidence through that migration for some time that now as I'm older, I'm like, you know what, <laughs> um, I'm regaining, I'm regaining it in a different way. I love that you're talking about that because it makes me feel a little less alone in that experience of that. I also feel like my confidence got impacted as an, as a migrant, uh, I migrated to the U.S. already as an adult. So that was like, whoa, 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 all the things that I don't know. And it's kind of similar to, in a way, to the things that you experience, like saying things that 
then people were like, that's not, you know, that's not what it means or putting a weird face or not understanding. And I think people that are listening can also connect with that. No, how, how do you feel like, because we have all experienced this, maybe not so confident or like not feeling so confident or trying to navigate this, I don't know if to say new personality, but this new identity of okay now I live in this country now I'm I'm an immigrant now I am I don't belong as I used to Mm -hmm. do you feel like there was a point where you started to gain that confidence or you're reclaiming that now or how how have you navigated that in a way yes I it took me I'm a work in progress (laughs) we are we are (laughs) and it's taking me um it's taken me a long time to reach I would say the point where I'm at um right now which is around reclaiming and getting to um say this is my story and this is how I want to tell it even through it being in this space with you is a part of it um and it, and it really took um until my so I'm 31 right now and it took until my late 20s to finally reach that point and I, and I think a lot of it that point of, of, um, just being really confident in who I am, um, how I've been shaped, the things that I care about, um, the things that I don't know, and and like my, my imperfections and, and it'll be lifelong work, but reaching that point of, Hey, my experiences and my identities, including being an immigrant, being Latina, being a woman of color, um, being like brown and tan, that's shaped who I am. <laughs> and it's led me to do, you know, to where I am today. Um, and I think the pandemic had a lot to do with that too. And and we can also get into it later. Mm-hmm. Um, just my, exper- my experiences um, with all the identities I just shared in the workplace and in the fields that I've been a part of, um, kind of uh, uh, those experiences in, in looking back and, and, and in living those out made me realize like what I have to say is, is important um, and, and who I am is important. I don't want to fit into um, the status quo um, and my superpower is being myself. Yes. <laughs> and it's a journey and it's a process. I'm glad that you're saying that. I don't think we get there from one day to another, right? Like we don't gain that confidence or that. I don't even know if the word is confidence, but we don't, we don't understand the reason why we're in a certain space until we have been working on ourselves and accepting who we are and, and, and being proud of where we come from too. I think Mm -hmm. that's a huge part. I feel like as immigrants, sometimes we kind of, we battle a lot in between this, you know, I have to fit in and I want to look more or appear or behave like, you know, certain thing. And then we kind of forget where we're coming from. But I feel like a question I, I had also for you, it, it, it's part of what you're saying is the positive aspects or what you have feel you have gained as an immigrant, since we're exploring that immigrant identity, what have been some of those positive things that you feel like your immigration journey has given you? Yes, I think there's, there's so many positives um, that I'm only going to scratch the surface on and, and hopefully people listening to this and maybe they 
there may be some shared similarities too, but one is um, my ability to be curious and to ask questions around um, and to notice the unseen and to like see opportunities um, and to ask questions like, why is it this way? Can we do things differently? Can we be including these voices that haven't been a part of this? Um, but just generally that critical thinking and um, perspective. And I definitely think that was catalyzed from my immigration experience. Like I mentioned, just seeing the differences between family and people I knew. Ecuador, then I moved to the U.S. And it's like, wow. Um, and needing to adapt throughout that, I think kind of energized um, these positive experiences that have um, that I've brought to you in the in um, the things that I've studied mm-hmm. into the jobs that I've had um, so yeah so I think uh, that curiosity critical thinking um, the asking the why and the porque behind things yes <laughs> I love um, that yeah. And like the reminding people like, hey, there's another way to do things, right? Uh, we can also try this. I love that you're talking about bringing voices that haven't been heard before. And that I feel like comes really perfectly to the topic of what you do for work and your field, because that's also part of what you wanted to be a modern immigrant, right? Like, there's a, I want you to speak to us and tell us what you do for work. And also the data that you show, um, that you showed me when we were emailing on like how few Latinas are in your field. And then we can get into what had that been for you. Yes. Happy, happy to, to walk through that. Yeah. So I think, um, I I think the positive things that, that my immigration has brought about has led me to be in these like funky and innovative work roles where um, I may be the only one in my family and even only one at times in my community that ends up in these roles. And, um, and so uh, over the past five years, I've been working in the startup and venture capital um, field in the U S and at times in Latin America, um, oh, cool. And I had joined it again through curiosity. I didn't have any connections, um, but I largely care about um, addressing and thinking of ways of bringing economic justice. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we um, provide more capital? How do we provide more capital into um, diverse people with mm-hmm. impactful solutions? Uh, and again, I tied to where I come from and what I've seen. And so my, what I've done for work is to create what we call accelerator programs um, and mentorship programs specifically for diverse um, startup founders. And that can include black, you know, Latina, 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 Latinx entrepreneurs, um, Mm -hmm. women, um, LG, LGBTQ plus founders, just diverse mm-hmm. founders in the U.S. and helping them um, connect to relationships, but also to investors who, um, you know, are interested and able to help them grow. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reason why this work is really important um, is there's several statistics, but less than 2% of venture capital money in 2021, but not that long ago, um, went to female founders, for example, um, and only 2% went to, you know, Latino, Latina, mm-hmm. Latinx, Latina startup founders. Um, and then on the investment side, um, I believe it's like less than 4% of who gets to make investments are, um, are you know, Latinx, Latina, mm-hmm. Latino, Latina people. And so yeah. um, I didn't realize that when I entered the field, but then once I, I joined the field to to work on economic justice, economic opportunity. And, um, but then once I, I was in that field and learned that, I was like, oh no, <laughs> we this have- This is not okay. <laughs> we have to work on this. And the mm-hmm. good thing is, even though the statistics are, are horrible, um, there are a growing number of, of people who are building communities to change that, to challenge that. And I view myself as a part of, of that growing number of people. Um, yeah. It's so interesting that you're talking about the positive aspects of your immigration and you're touching on discovering this field and discovering the numbers in a scary and not so pretty <laughs> and, and, and terrible as they are, you're also bringing also a positivity and a positive side. And, and I feel really happy to know that people like you are advocating for the Latinx community and advocating for diverse communities and voices. And how beautiful is to see that your immigration identity has impacted or impacts the work that you do, right? Like how... I mean, I'm sure you see that clearly, but like you feel like you bring that identity of being an immigrant in, in, to those spaces. Yes, and um, but I didn't, I didn't realize that until uh, I would say in the middle of the pandemic, and 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 I have even specific examples of that as I was creating yeah. these these accelerator and mentorship programs for founders. It was even asking the questions of. Um, which uh, types of investors are we including? Are we including people on the ground? Um, just which voices and perspectives uh, have not been a part of this conversation? Like, and who gets to create this conversation? Uh, and and then also, uh, in addition to just my like full time work, uh, last year, you know, in the tough pandemic times. Um, there were a couple of just really awesome people who reached out to me and they were building a community called VC Familia, okay. which is um, a growing community of um, Latinx and Latina investors in the U.S. Because, you know, before that it was more siloed and it, and truthfully, it could feel really isolating to be in this field. Um, and um, the reason I bring that up is because mm-hmm. we created conversations that the field hadn't seen around what does it mean to be an Asian um, Latina, for example, or an Afro Latino in venture capital. And it, and again, I in reflecting on that, I really think that my migration and, and just being from like moving between different places 
um, is a part of it. It's like it's yes. my immigrant identity is inseparable from me and what I've done and, and probably what I'll continue to do. Yes. Um, yeah, it intersects with everything and, and with all of the other identities. And, and Marcia, now that you're talking to us about this amazing work and the feel, are you like not only the numbers are you're showing about the need to have more Latinx and, and communities investing and supporting Latinos, are you also, I'm curious, one of the only Latinas in your field, like at your workplace, or you found a lot of diversity in, in the area? Um, I would say when I first uh, started, it's interesting because my career, I now have like 10 years of my career after yeah. college and every place that I've joined, um, I tended to be like the, the only Latina for the, until they hired someone else potentially. And, and truthfully, um, Yeah. So one of the first or, and then became one of the few, um, the good thing about venture capital in the startup world, um, and what we call venture ecosystem builders, people building, you know, accelerator programs and mentorship programs is that the numbers are, are changing over time. And I'm, um, and I want to continue to see that grow. So in like 2017 or so it was about 30 Latinas, across you know analysts to partner level in the entire country yeah. um right now i don't have the exact number but i know it's much higher than that um and but then when i thought uh, about that like who is an equatoriana in that field um and then add other layers of immigrant mm-hmm. <laughs> um it it becomes much smaller and then i realized wow marcia like the footprint you're leaving in the United States um, is actually really meaningful. And, and so at the end of the day, I don't want to be one of the few. My thing is always about how do we make it so that more Marcias and people very different than Marcia are in this field. Um, And that is what success um, looks like for me. And I love that you're, I mean, I, I truly admire the work that you're doing. I feel like represented in a way in that work because you're opening spaces and doors for people like me and us and, and, and the listeners. And you're also, I'm 100% sure you're inspiring those Latinas or Latinx folks that are listening to this interview because I'm sure that they have failed not seen and not represented in whatever field they're at. Like I... I know it's like that and I know it's sad and, and it's, it's amazing to see that things are changing. Thanks to immigrants like you taking onto those spaces. And I'm sure like it was hard, like for you to even imagine yourself doing that work, like a few years ago, right? Like, did you find yes. something? like, was there anyone, was there some representation or someone that motivated you to get there or Because it can be really hard as a Latina immigrant being like, I want to be there and I want to be doing that. It is so hard. And (laughs) again, work in progress. And, um, and, and just like we talk about the positives, I also, you know, want to talk about the realities, which is like, um, I know there wasn't someone who looked like me that I was like, I want to be like them in this field. I just, my curiosity um, was more like, I want to, what is this field about? Can I, is this a tool for, again, 
bringing economic change. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the other thing that comes to mind for me is um, there have been uh, lots of hard moments where it has felt isolating. And that's what's led me to um, want to be a part of initiatives like VC Familia and, um, and other Re- Republic and other organizations um, in the roles that I've taken. But I would say during the pandemic, um, I would say that mental health kind of really came forward to me as, uh, Marcy, you need to address this. Uh, you need to help destigmatize it for yourself and for mm-hmm. other people. Because I, um, and I don't know if other immigrants relate to this, but sometimes I, I notice I'm very heads down. I give, give, give. I want to contribute and help and contribute. Um, and I forget to ask for help. And I forget to um, take that the pause and the rest that I needed. And I felt like all of that came crashing down at me, particularly um, last year. Uh, and then I, I started my mental health journey with therapy, um, with taking pauses and and I even took a pause from the field that I was a part of, not sh- being sure if I should return or not. Mm-hmm. And it took um, other people caring and community reaching out um, and making me realize, like, I really need to reclaim my role in this field and, and realizing that I'm creating meaningful change in the United States in this field. Yeah. And so um I wanted to share that to, to be real, like, Hey, I've had really hard moments. I'm a work in progress imperfect. And as I look at the future, I am rethinking, how do I better ask for help? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that immigrants are, immigrants are deserving of care, <laughs> uh, yes. at the same time and returning in a gentle way in this field in a different way so that I'm not going through these cycles of burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, and honoring and, you know, mental health and, and, and all of that. So, and that's the only way, I mean, thank you so much for, for sharing that. I truly appreciate you raising awareness around mental health, around taking a break, a pause, because that's the only way that we're actually going to be able to make an impact in whatever field we're at. Like we as immigrants, I feel like it is really difficult and sad that we're always pushed to do more and to do more and to do more and to prove that we belong here and to prove that we're worth hiring and to prove that, you know, whatever it is, we're good enough. And it gets to a point that I feel like, yeah, we're burned out. We're tired. We don't find spaces for ourselves. So like Mm -hmm. the fact that you're saying, Hey, I found a space, I found representation or not representation, but I'm craving for that. It's also beautiful that you're also saying it hasn't been easy because I love when listeners get the full story and the reality is that I feel like we have all felt like you have felt during the pandemic or at some point in our life and especially the pandemic I think we were all like okay we need to take a break for real yeah so I truly appreciate that and it's not easy being a person trying to make change and an impact like you are yes it's it's not easy but if you do find which I'm in the journey of now like trying to find community care Mm. Because it's not just me caring for myself, 
at the end of the day, we need each other and finding other people who are there in the tough times, whether it's in your field, family, friends, whatever it is, um, that is so important and something that I'm trying to um, put to the forefront um, so that I'm not going through these cycles. So yeah, I have definitely failed. I've had (laughs) lessons to learn. I'm imperfect. um, And that's okay. (laughs) Thank you, Marcia, for saying those words. I want to like repeat them (laughs) over Instagram and TikTok and whatever I share this interview, because I feel like we need that reminder. We need to like put a sticky note in a mirror that says that. (laughs) Um, Marcia, as we're finishing and wrapping up this interview, I would love to ask you, what does it mean for you or to you to be an immigrant, to be a Latina immigrant in the U.S. Ooh, I <laughs> <That's laughs> very easy question. <laughs> very easy. I yeah. can say what comes top of mind. Um, it means being a curious powerhouse, a seer of opportunity, a lover of complexity. Uh, it means living in duality. So, what I mean by that is that. It's oftentimes not just this or that, but it can be this and that at the same time. And uh, it means um, it means complexity and beauty in that at the same time. So <laughs> what a beautiful answer. I loved it. And I would love for you to, you know, as we say goodbye, I would love for you to share any other either resources. I always like to open the space for either resources, links, or social media, or any final message that you would like to live to the immigrants that are listening and that are part of modern immigrants. Yes. Um, I guess I'll share both. (laughs) A quick message and then a couple of resources. So my quick um, message is I genuinely believe that immigrants are curious powerhouses and that we're deserving of being in in any space that we want to be. And that includes uh, the startup world, it includes the venture capital world or just technology at large. And so um, there's a couple of, and, and, and that if you look at the statistics, immigrants um, have created some of um, some of the biggest and, and some of most impactful um, technology companies in at least in the U.S. today, and and there's and there's just so many talented founders who are immigrants too. And um, and then in terms of resources, I mean, uh, well, we I'd love to share even just my my ID, you know, Marcia X Chong. I'm also on TikTok, um, but my TikTok is more of just just my random thoughts of the world and then I'm gonna find you because I (laughs) that's modern immigrant TikToks is also more more open and random so I like that (laughs) Uh, yes and then if you are curious about um potentially joining the venture venture capital world like being an investor or just a startup founder um there are resources like um, Black Ambition, which is a um, annual prize competition by Creative Genius and music producer Pharrell Williams, that probably um, 
that's a resource available for Black and Latinx Latin founders. Um, there's Republic, which is a movement helping everyday people with, you know, as little as $50 be able to invest in, in startups. Um, there's organizations like VC Familia, um, Black VC and others that are trying to get more diverse people in this space. Um, but if you if you check out my ID, you'll you'll see that there are more resources there. I, I can't even think of them all, but no, that's I will not only add your um, IG, but I will also love if we can probably email those links or I can try to find the ones that you said so I can put them in the description of the episode. That way people can go and find them. Um, I do have a last question now that you were talking about, you know, encouraging people, especially those listeners that want to get into this world and this feel. I know so many immigrants that have this desire, passion and dream to have a startup, start their business. What what's your knowledge in terms of uh, legal status for immigrants in entering this um, environment? And I know it's okay if this is not something that you know of, but can they apply to some of these programs? Can they apply to some of those funds, or it's just for American citizens? It sounds like that's sometimes like um, a barrier that some immigrants can are facing. Yeah, that's um, that's a great question. I can't speak to the legal status specifically because I'm not as knowledgeable, but I do know that um, some of the programs I mentioned, they care more about where is, um, what's the geographic focus of this company? Where is the founder's base? That's what the programs care more about, um, less than legal status. And then, um, and then if the company has incorporated the company, is it base is it incorporated in the United States, for example, if the program, if the accelerator program is focused on the US. Those are the types of questions that I've seen been asked less than like, what's your legal status as a founder? Um, and then um, I can't remember it from the top of my mind, but it could, th this could be a resource um, that is shared in, in the notes, but I know that there is, um, there are VC funds that are specifically focused on investing in immigrant startup founders and have are much more knowledgeable than what I just shared on. Hey, let's help you as a founder on your legal status. And what does that look like? So I can, I can share those too. That would be amazing. Um, this is the first time we touch on this from this point of view and perspective. So I truly appreciate Marcia, not only your story as an immigrant, but the work that you do and your desire to share it here with us. So thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much. Renanika. I really appreciate you creating the space and it's just been an honor to, um, and I, and we mentioned even before we hit record, like this being really the first type of space where I'm talking about this um, externally to the world. Um, and it's just been so, so fun and hopefully it resonates with, with others. I truly feel honored that you open up about this topic here and hopefully more people feel inspired to go after their dreams or come share their story in modern immigrant as well and to participate. So thank you everyone for listening and those that were watching and thank you Marcia one more time. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>